wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walking with your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This my friend! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. All right, welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio. Here today, I am Graham Giusa Matthews for October 20th, 2015. And we are only six, sorry, five days away from WWE's premier Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And six days away, excuse me, from breaking ground on the WWE Network. Is it after Raw or after Hell in a Cell? After Raw, I believe. I think it might have been. I heard it was after Raw, then I heard it was after the pay-per-view. So I'm not exactly sure. We'll Either way, it'd be like 11 anyways. So. Yeah, but it's going to be great. That's going to be a great show. Wait. The podcast last night was great. Loved it. We'll be talking all about that in a couple minutes. We got Raw from last night, which was actually pretty good. Yeah. We'll be talking about the Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brock Lesnar podcast only on the WWE Network. And our full picks, predictions, and preview for Hell in a Cell this Sunday. RJ, are you pumped as I am right now? I'm pretty pumped. I wish it was pumped. unforgiven still, but we got Hell in Or no mercy, or Armageddon, but to each their own. Just, you know, WWE and their shitty as hell pay-per-view names, but it's okay. That's right. I'll take it. I'll take Hell in a Cell, I guess. It's fine. But the pay-per-view episodes, excuse me, the pay-per-view preview editions of WrestleRate Radio are always exciting. Today will be no exception, but we'll, we'll kick it off with our thoughts on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast that aired immediately after Monday Night Raw last night with the one, the only, the Beast Incarnate. Brock Lesnar, who also opened up Raw last night, too, along with Stone Cold and The Undertaker. Great stuff. Before I give my thoughts on that, RJ, what were your initial impressions of the Stone Cold Brock Lesnar podcast? I thought, I thought it was really good. Uh, this is this probably the only, well, maybe the Vince one, too, is the only podcast I actually watched after Raw. Usually I try to go to bed because I got class to, on Tuesday at 8. So, but I was like, no, it's Lesnar, you know, I gotta stay up and watch it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a good podcast. Like I said, start off first, kind of like talking about their hobbies together, and then they finally divulged into like the business, how he went to college, how he got into the business, how he left, went to the UFC, mm-hmm. came back. I think he just has. I think honestly, he has a great story to tell. How he kind of was like he came from a, like a rare upbringing. He was on a dairy farm. Then he kind of like saw sports, and that kind of like was his like keep like I don't know. It's like his thing in life was like beating people up and playing sports is what he pretty much said. Yeah. That brought him to somewhere out of that dairy farm with the Minnesota call, uh, University, you know, wrestled there. Then he graduated, and then he was like, what do I do now? Yeah. And then he kind of didn't know what to do. He was going to play football, maybe got called from Jim Ross, made the decision to go to OVW, went to WWE, went there for two or three years, didn't like it anymore, so then he went to New Japan, went to try out for the NFL, didn't work, and then went to UFC. Then after that, he got his disease and then came back. And I just think the guy's a great story to tell. Like he went from having it all, lost a lot, had a lot, had a lot. Now he's just in the perfect situation now that he wants to be. And um, he's just a straightforward guy. He's not gonna lie to you. Um, he's not gonna beat around the bush. He pretty much said like, I don't like people. Love that. Part. I think that was a great. Like, what do you call the people that you work with? He's like, they're just people I work with. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna go out there and have a beer with them after the thing. Like, I'm just go home and like that's what I do. And I loved, loved it when he said, when I came back, I need Hane with me so I could feed the Jew. Oh, my God. <laughs> Best part of the whole podcast. Best part of the whole podcast. I need to feed the Jew. Feed the Jew. It was so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. It's so funny. Just a great, I think it was just a great podcast with Stone Cold, and it was very entertaining. And the guy gets a lot of crap for not being a great talker. Brock Lesnar, that is. But being inside, being in this kind of environment, being in the UFC environment, which he did talk about here in the promos that he did for his respective fights, were a lot better than any promo that he's going to cut on his own in a WWE ring in front of 10,000 people when they're scripting you lines and all this other micromanaged crap that is WWE in 2015. That's just not going to work that way. When he first came back, he talked about it. When he came, when he first came back to the company for a few appearances without Paul Heyman, and he had to cut his own promos and do all this and that. 
And he said, we have to bring back Paul Heyman to talk for me. Because if I didn't have Paul Heyman talking for me, I would not be what I am today. And like you said, he talked all about his run. He talked about The Undertaker, his match this Sunday, the UFC run, and everything else in between, leaving back in 2004, flipping off Vince McMahon and not the fans of WrestleMania 20. He was like, I really just didn't give a shit. Austin was like, did you want to be there? He's like, no, because I just didn't give a shit. That was great. You know, like you said, a very straightforward guy. Um, but kind of also on the same subject on the same subject here, not really in relation to the podcast itself. But RJ, I ask you this: Do you feel like it was better off? And I'm a big believer in everything happening for a reason here. But do you think Brock Lesnar was better off in leaving WWE when he did in 2004, going to New Japan, trying out for the NFL, successfully, you know, having a successful UFC career, one of the biggest draws in that company's history? dominating over there for a couple years before coming back to WWE. Do you think it worked out better the way that it did as opposed to him staying in WWE for an extra, uh, you know, two or three more years, you know, before leaving in, I don't know, 07 or 2008? I think his decision to leave was better for him, and I think it was better for the WWE. Obviously, he wasn't happy being in the WWE at 04 and thought he had other things to go pursue. You're still young at the time. Still pretty young now. Think of it, 14 years, he's still in his later 30s. So yeah. um, then he went out to the UFC, made a bigger name than he was before. Like everyone kind of knew of him because he was a big star in WWE for two years, but people thought he was just like the scripted Hollywood guy that really couldn't fight. Was in the UFC for a couple of years, won the championship. Like I said, pretty sure he hit top five fights that brought the biggest draws. I'm pretty sure he has like three or four of them. Mm-hmm. I remember he was a main event for UFC 100. And he had won the title that night, too. 2009, I remember 2009, that, yeah. and he drew the most... I think they had the biggest draw ever. And um, That was the Frank Mir fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was just Randy Couture fight. Oh, okay, okay. But, um, yeah, he like I said, even at the end of his run, even when he was losing and stuff, he still had big bites. People wanted to see him fight. So yeah. then him coming back to the WWE, just the buzz of him coming back just made him even more popular. I think it's better for him because then, like, since he was so popular, you got the part-time schedule now, so mm-hmm. he's making fat money like he loves it. Yeah, he's like, whatever puts money in my pockets from <laughs> Dana White and Vince McMahon. Love that line because I've always, I've always said this about Lesnar. I always said that not that he hated wrestling, but rather that he just didn't care about wrestling at all. But it's okay. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who don't care about wrestling at all and are wrestling in the business. But they don't say that. They say they they genuinely they genuinely love the business when they don't and whatever. Brock Lesnar is very straightforward, and I always go back to his book. Did you read that by any chance or now? His Death Clutch book. He released it in late 2011, early 2012. Very good book. He just says I was in it for the money from the beginning. It's not like oh you know I loved it at the start and WWE's vigorous road schedule beat it out of me. Like I I was only in it for the paycheck. No, he was in it for the paycheck the entire time, and he just so happened to be very very good at what he did. But going back to earlier this year when the when the news first broke that he resigned with WWE, we talked about it then when he did the interview with I think Coach or no. Um, that other lady who stopped watching wrestling, who works at ESPN, Michelle Beadle. Michelle Beadle, yeah, when they were, when he was doing the interview with her, when he broke the news that he resigned with the company, um, he he does genuinely show passion for wrestling. You know, it's not like he, it's not like he refuses to do the job. I mean, he said that it's like you know I'm here to do a job. I clock in, I clock out, and he's very good at what he does, and he just you know prides himself on being the best at what he does, and he is. He's great. He's the beast incarnate. So in regards to my original question, I feel like it definitely did benefit him in leaving for the amount of time that he did, because if he didn't, he wouldn't have that same aura around him that he does now. You know, because now he has the oh shit, like a former legit UFC fighter. It just an over like even before he broke the streak, like he had that. Aura about him that screamed superstar. And WWE throws that term around a lot. Zack Ryder is a superstar. Adam Rose is a superstar. But, like, by definition of the word superstar, this guy is in a whole other level, a whole other stratosphere of superstardom, even before he broke the streak, like I said. So I think leaving for those years and building up that mainstream attention and whatever in UFC, in New Japan, doing his own thing for a couple years, and then coming back to the WWE in 2012, having one of the best runs in the last three years, and it's far from over. He re-signed until 2017, 2018, whatever it was, but... Um, so happy that Lesnar's back in WWE. Really enjoyed this podcast. That it was very, very good. And in my mind earlier today, I was ranking every podcast, including the two Jericho ones, from best to worst. And this was my ranking. So from best to worst, I would probably do Vince being number one because you can't really top that one. 
Um, it's hard. This these two are interchangeable. I'd probably go with Triple H and then Brock Lesnar, but you could always switch those two. The both of them were. Very, I'd have to watch the Triple H one back, but that one was very very good. So Vince, Triple H, Lesnar, Edging Christian. Um, no, sorry, Paul Heyman, then Edging Christian, John Cena, Stephanie McMahon, and then Paige. I'm pretty sure I hit them all, but. Um, what have been your favorite podcast so far with Stone Cold or Chris Jericho? And um, who else would you like to see on the podcast platform in the future? Uh, my favorites, I would say Vince, Triple H, Heyman, Lesnar. Uh, Ed and Christian were funny. I didn't really care for any of the Jericho ones. Cena and uh, Stephen McMahon. Paige was... Don't know why she was even on it. But um, <laughs> future, I'd like to see Seth Rollins on it, obviously. Any of the, yeah, a lot of the current guys. Well, yeah. obviously the current guys. I'd like to see Seth Rollins on it. Even Roman Reigns on it. Um, maybe Bray Wyatt. I don't know if they'd do that. But Bray Wyatt would be cool. Kevin Owens would be good. Uh, Undertaker. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to hear, like, oh, this guy's not a draw, so let's Sting. not get him on there. No, just kidding. I want to see Sting on it. I don't care less about Sting. Uh, Undertaker. I mean, they had Paige on there, so it's not like a, we're not going to feature... The Bella Twins. Okay. No comment. No comment. <laughs> That's all. Alicia Fox, too? All, all, <laughs> no, all of Team not Bella? only the Bellas. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with a lot of those picks. I would get Rollins on there. Orton has... You know, he did that unfiltered... Orton, too. I forgot about Orton. Orton did that unfiltered interview. I thought that was very, very good. Very good. You don't... You very rarely see him in that um, in that interview setting, so that was great. The Owens one was awesome. The Owens one was so funny, too. And him, and him and Austin are not great friends, but he in the past, Stone Cold, has gone on the, on the record and saying that this guy's going to make the WWE. I have full faith in him. He's a big supporter of Kevin Owens, so I would love to see him on the podcast. Um, like you said, The Undertaker, how realistic that is. I mean, they promoted him a couple months ago. They did... Sting, Taker, and Hulk Hogan, none of which have yet to happen. One's gone from the company. Um, Sting, I know you're not a big fan of that one. Would love to see that. Steve Borden on the uh, Stone Cold podcast would be pretty cool. You don't often see him. He's on the table for three specials, so I'm sure they would do him on the podcast eventually when he's back in, in full health. Yeah, so Taker, Sting, Rollins, Orton, Owens. I know you might not be a huge fan of this one, but you rarely see this guy in an interview setting, so I would be okay with it. Kane, Glenn Jacobs. On no, I don't mind Kane. With, with all the history that he has in this in this company, not as corporate Kane, without character, not wearing the mask or anything, any garbage like that. Like <laughs> full Glenn Jacobs telling the stories of the road for the last twenty years. You know, just stuff like that. I would love to see the on the big podcast. show. Paul White. I want Paul White on the Paul pod. White. No, no big show. Captain Insano, maybe. Definitely Paul White. No big show. <laughs> I'll take it on the Stone Cold podcast. So two thumbs up for the uh, Stone Cold podcast last night. Very entertainable. Very enjoyable and very entertaining. I combined two words there. So, Raw last night was very entertainable itself. Um, I thought it was a good show. A lot. I mean, the rating was, once again, the lowest that it's been in years. Very unfortunate. But like I told you before we went live, I don't really care about the rating. And I know they really live or die by that rating system. And they should care about those ratings and getting them up so they can, you know, get their advertisers, whatever. But we as fans, you and I, other than whether we tune in or not, we have no control over that, so why would we worry about it? You know, like, we single-handedly are not going to change the ratings. I mean, you can always say, oh, don't watch Raw, hashtag it, hashtag cancel the network. Like, I never believed in that crap because they never really thought it made that big of a difference. If you don't watch, if you don't like Raw, I mean, you don't have to, you can watch it and, I mean, this is what the show is all about. We criticize Raw. We don't just poop on wrestling just for the sake of pooping on wrestling. I wouldn't be watching Raw if I didn't love it, you know what I mean? Um, but getting back to my original point, we have no control over the ratings whatsoever. So why worry about it? You know, only worry about the quality of the show, which has been pretty piss poor in the past couple of months. But last night was good. So what were your thoughts on Raw last night, RJ? In a nutshell, that was a good show. I think um, I think we saw we saw a couple of rematches, but I think the matches, quality of matches, they were actually really good. Um, that's what it really like. And obviously, if the matches were bad, I think the Raw would have been a lot different because they've seen these matches before. But I think like the couple tag team matches we've had that we've seen, like we've seen a couple of guys fight each other. But I think the matches were better on this Raw than they were previously. So I think it was good for Raw. I was entertained for most of the Raw. It wasn't just a, these all these like veterans and stuff coming out that entertained me. I thought the matches with the current roster entertaining me. Yeah, on both sides of the spectrum, I feel like the. Guest star appearances definitely held up their end of the bargain. Snow Cold, Austin, Lesnar, Flair, and HBK. But you make a good point in saying that the current roster guys also had some pretty good matches last night. The six-man tag team match with the Dudley Boys, Cena, and the New Day. Good stuff. We've seen it before, but a good match. 
Um, and a lot of the other matches, I mean, even in recent weeks, we see a lot of random-ass squash matches for no reason. Just, like, random squashes that last two or three minutes. We got a few on this show, too, but I feel like they were all justified. Giving Rollins a win here. Giving Kevin Owens a victory over Mark Henry. Giving Charlotte her win back, God forbid, over Brie Bell after losing last week for no reason. And that was that uh, we had a heck of a rant on Raw last week by RJ, um, which was fantastic, by the way. So if you didn't catch it, it's on the YouTube channel. Check out the full episode last week, nextdoorwrestling.net. She plugs out of the way. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good show. So we kick off the show with one Stone Cold Steve Austin, who in the past week has been advertised for Raw, hasn't been advertised, has been advertised, hasn't been advertised, back and forth with this with this company in Stone Cold. But um, finally, kicked off the show unadvertised to a massive pop from the Dallas crowd. Came out for just a minute or so just to introduce The Undertaker. So it was like a Raw, a raw opening straight out of 1997. Taker comes out. He talks about the cell match on Sunday. Out comes Paul Heyman. He and he and uh, Heyman go back and forth on the mic. They talk about Hell in a Cell on Sunday. Him and Lesnar, Taker and Lesnar, almost come to blows. They don't end up fighting, and they save it for Sunday. So, a good segment. You know, something that we don't normally see. Like, the Raw that we went to, they had Lesnar kick it off with the big show, just completely destroying him, which was glorious. But stuff like that, I like when they kind of switch up the the regular formula of Raw and you don't just open with a 30 minute authority promo or a Seth Rollins promo which is entertaining but if they switch up the formula here and there it's always appreciated so RJ your thoughts on Stone Cold Steve Austin showing up on Raw last night and the rest of what happened in this segment I thought it was good to see Stone Cold back in the ring like I said I don't think he's really been in the WWE ring since WrestleMania 30 which I was at I don't think he's been in the ring since no the last time was June 2011 so, yeah, so it's good to see Stone go back in the WWE squared circle. Um, like I said, came out for a minute, introduced the Undertaker. And I think the segment did exactly what it was meant to do. Undertaker and Paul Heyman pretty much go back and forth about the Hell in a Cell. Lesnar comes down, teases possible fighting, but they're going to save it for Sunday. Obviously, it's the main event. Obviously, don't want anyone getting hurt or anything like that. But it did its purpose. It hyped up the match as the main event at Hell in a Cell. And I think it's going to be a good match. Uh, hope it's a good match, and hopefully Lesnar goes over. Hopefully, and we'll get to that in the prediction section later on in the night. But yeah, I thought it was a good segment, very successful, very effective on all fronts, and a good way of kicking off the show and giving you that must-feel, must-watch feel. Like, you never know who's going to show up. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. You have to tune in in the first, at least, if you're not going to watch Raw, at least tune in for the first 20 minutes. If the authority music hits, then feel free to tune out. But if it's anybody else, you'll be very happy you tuned in, especially if it's Stone Cold Steve Austin for the first time in four years on Monday Night Raw. So after that, we had a six-man tag team match. The New Day defeating John Cena and the Dudley Boys in six-man tag team action. Like I said, we've seen the match before, but it was good. Well wrestled. The New Day get the win. The Dudley Boys afterwards take out Xavier Woods. They put him through a table. And it looks like on Sunday, Xavier Woods might not be um, a factor in the finish. The WWE tag team title match, he might be... Gone from ringside, we'll have to wait and see. But RJ, your thoughts on the six man? So that was another good six man tag between uh, these these six competitors. And jeez, um, who's hotter than the New Day right now? They are. Who is hotter than the New hot. Day? Right now? I couldn't tell you the last time they actually lost a match, like no actual match, like actual match, like not a DQ because they pinfall, do that all the yeah. time. Yeah, but they've been booked so strong over the last couple of months since SummerSlam. They're just on fire. The crowd loves them. And, and we were there for that, by the way. Yep, we were there, by the way, for SummerSlam, which is amazing. <laughs> but, um, no, like I said, like they won again, and they're entertaining. And I just think all three members gel perfectly together. Like, they're they're heel, but the crowd shares them. So they're kind of like that anti-heel because they, like, joke and shit on the crowd. But everyone else laughs. It's funny. But um, I just think they're a good tag team. Like I said, they came far away from that face, their face crappy <laughs> church screaming gimmick and I'm so happy they changed but um no one's hotter than them right now in WWE and it's it's kind of sad that creative only can really book one like the only really strong person right now is pretty much them they, they're the only ones that really haven't lost in for a while Kevin Owens I could say that too for since he won the belt since he won the belt but the New Day always on top always in big segments main event of main Ross. event Raws and they're Smart opening Ross. Raws they're they're not just filler, is the, no. the main thing. They're just they're they're be- they're the best booked act right now in WWE. Absolutely, easily. easily. And I'm not going to complain about it either because I love the new day. Love the new day. We'll talk about this week's winners and losers at the end of the broadcast, which is always a treat from RJ. Um, so can't wait for that at the end in the final five ten minutes of the show. 
Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good match. I've seen the match before, but it gave the heels a win. Got the baby faces some momentum. John Cena randomly delivering an AA to Xavier Woods afterwards. <laughs> I knew he'd <you'd> love that. <laughs> no reason at all no reason. to an AA. Just a total bully John Cena was. But John Cena, as we'll talk about in our Hell in a Cell predictions, will be facing a mystery opponent on Sunday for the United States Championships. That's kind of exciting. So after that women's tag team action, our divas, I apologize, we had Nikki Bella and Alicia Fox taking on Naomi and Sasha Banks in tag team action. Fine stuff. I mean, the whole heel and heel crap. I've never really been a fan of. That was whatever. But they are teasing on the bright side. They are teasing a Sasha Banks split from Team Bad. She can go off on her own, whether it be as a heel, babyface, whatever. People love Sasha Banks. And you want to talk about best booked people right now. I know she's not winning every single match. But since she got promoted to the main roster, I cannot tell you when she, the last time she got pinned. Other than the Bailey matches in NXT, she has not been pinned on the main roster at all. Like, I can't tell you one match. I don't think she has been beaten yet in singles competition via pinfall. So, great on WWE's part for keeping her... Say the same thing with Becky Lynch, too. I don't think she got pinned once in either. Or at least in singles. I know oh, she's gotten same. pinned in, like, tag team action and stuff like that. Sasha hasn't even gotten pinned in tag team matches and yeah. stuff like that. But still, Becky is... Charlotte, which makes no sense. Charlotte's the champ, and she's getting beaten. But that's that's whatever. That's neither here nor there. But um, your thoughts on the match? What's what's next for the boss? It's another match. It's pretty much similar to the other match they had last week with Naomi and Nikki Bella. But um, jeez, Naomi fell far, dude. Uh, a couple beginning of this year when she turned heel, everyone thought she won the belt. You know, new heel diva winning the Divas Championship, lost twice. Or, mm-hmm. Twice, I believe, Nikki Bella, and then kind of fell off the face of the earth, and then finally Team Bad form, and she's still an underthought. Everyone wants to see Sasha. I think it's it's kind of it's not her fault for Naomi, but it's like she's been around for so long. People want to see someone new. They want to see someone fresh, and the boss is fresh right now. Becky Lynch is fresh right now. Charlotte, yeah, she's she's getting there, but I don't know. The crowd just doesn't connect with her as they do with Becky and Sasha. Mm-hmm. But um. I like, like I said, the faction wars, they don't really bug me as much as they bug you because I know you hate them. Hate them. But eventually they're going to have to split up and hopefully they split up. Becky goes her separate ways. They don't have to, it's not like they have to like both feud each other. They just be like, you know what, I want to go on my own. Okay. The only, not every feud has to have tension and the WWE thinks everything has to be drama. They can Preach. just two, like since they're friends, you know what, I want to go on my own, you're the champion, I want to go up the champion. That's fine. They don't have to cat fight and stab each other in the back and do all this stupid stuff because that's what they kind of like teasing between Naomi and Sasha like Sasha's like gets knocked down and she's like distracted during the match mm-hmm. and then Naomi's taking the clean pin like last <coughs> night she got knocked up the apron and then Tamina went over to Sasha yeah. and wasn't paying attention Naomi got pinned yep. so that's what they're kind of teasing right now which it's what it is because you know WWE thinks everything needs to be a cat fight or a huge ordeal and they can just easily just split up and want to be single but yeah. um, hopefully Sasha goes <coughs> single Sooner rather than later, and we see her in the Divas Championship uh, title picture. You make a great point, though, because they do this with every tag team ever. Very, very rarely can I tell you that a tag team ended on like mutual terms. Just like, you know what? Harper good. and Rowan. Harper and... Well, that's because Harper... Sorry, Rowan got hurt. And then he just... Rowan came back last night, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, but that was random as all hell. White Sheep, back on Monday Night Raw, people. But anyway, um, when it comes to the tag teams... Not only just that, but especially, you know they're not going to do that for the women. You know they're not going to do that for the women because it's all about jealousy. It's all about cat fights. It's all about this and that and BFFs and PCB and NPC and piece of shit. BAD. BAD and all this garbage. Like you said, I am just, I know you don't hate it as much as I do, but the Faction Wars, I'm just, I was sick of them in August when we got to SummerSlam and it's freaking late October at this point. It's just a waste of everyone involved. I feel like Banks is not as hurt by this as Becky and especially Charlotte are, which makes absolutely no no sense considering that she's the current champion. But And we'll talk about Charlotte in a couple minutes. And this match wasn't bad. It's not The wrestling is not the problem. I mean, that's a, it's a step above what we were getting a couple years ago, which was basically nothing. They weren't even on the show. The People were like, what are divas? Because they weren't even on Raw. And this is a three-hour program. But anyway, if they can just kind of improve upon that, Dissolve the stables, let everyone do their own thing, and as RJ said a couple weeks ago, the two my two favorite words in the dictionary: character, character development. development. I knew you were gonna say. That. If they go with character development for these women, I'm sold. I'm sold. The wrestling is there, the characters are there, and if you want character development with the women, 
you could just watch NXT tomorrow night, baby, on the WWE Network, which is going to be great. Bailey going to be facing Alexa Bliss. Maybe not in tomorrow's episode, but looks like that's going to be the direction they're going in with women. Bailey and Bliss. She's too Bliss. She's not going to win the belt. The issue with the Divas here, Graham, is that I know you can't push everybody. You can't push the Lynches and the Banks and the Charlottes and, and Rosa Mendez. Okay, Rosa Mendez is not a picture. <laughs> I know you can't push everyone at once, but that's what they're trying to do is putting them in these factors. So, like, they want, oh, you know, PCB needs a win, but, you know, Team Bad needs a win, too. Yeah. So they just keep trading wins, and then no one really cares because no nothing one ever gets comes over. out of it. Exactly. Yeah. It, the, the issue is, I would get, like, okay, if they want to have Sasha go for the title, have Becky Lynch face maybe Paige or one of the battlers or someone that actually matters. Yep. Her sitting on, on SmackDown and Raw every week, just sitting out there pretty much as Charlotte's lapdog, doesn't do anything for her. Yeah. People still cheer for her because they like her. But no one's going to care about her, eventually not going to stop caring about her, because then they'll see her on TV, then they're going to think she's not on TV because she's a loser. She is a loser. Because she doesn't, <laughs> they don't show her, they just show her on ringside. Yeah, she's in a tag team match. Just put her, I don't care if they put her in a singles match against Rosa Mendez or Summer Rae or someone. Like, make people want to care about these people. Yes. I get it. I would get it. Like, if you put them out there and no one cared, like the Camerons and all those people, people just don't care about them. But these people have followers. They have potential. They have followers. Yeah. So if you just put them, like, I don't care if they have Becky Lynch versus, like I said, Rosa Mendez on Raw last night. You put her in a decent match. Becky gets some time, which gets, obviously, you would get the win, unless she lost, <laughs> which I'd kill myself. But <laughs> that's that's another rant for another day. But, like, people give people a reason to care. Showing Paige backstage ripping on Renee Young, no one really gives a shit about because she's not going to be facing Renee Young anytime soon. She just makes fun of all the divas, but nothing ever has come out of it. No. No one cares about Natalia anymore because she's been a loser for the last five years. She hasn't done anything. I couldn't tell you last time she won a divas championship, people. Five years. Five years, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's just like she's in like WWE purgatory for the divas, just like Alicia Fox, Mendez, Cameron, Cameron Summer Naomi, Summer Rae. They've all been here for so long, but they haven't done anything, and no one cares anymore. Well, some of those are better than others. I feel like some of those are justified in being the positions they're in. Ah, Cameron, but uh, I feel like people like <laughs> Naomi. Becky Lynch, like people like that, and you don't need to have them win every single match. And I mean, you go back to the Attitude Era when they were flashing their tits every single week and there was no character development. Hey, we as guys like that. It's great. Love watching those pay-per-views in the network. A bikini contest? Sign me up. But the wrestling was complete. It was, this is what it is, hot steamy poop is what it was. The women's wrestling in the, in, in the 1990s, the late 1990s, was hot steamy poop. But everyone had a character. Everyone even for the entire male roster, even Joe Schmo, main eventing Sunday Night Heat, had a character and people cared about him. You know what I mean? Like they need people to do that. People care with, about Al Snow for God's sake. Who walked to the ring with, with a goddamn, goddamn mannequin, mannequin head? Head, <laughs> head. Like people, they were, they were chaining head at this glorified loser, and he was over. <laughs> they were all over. It has nothing to do with flashing your tits and throwing the middle finger up in the air. It has to do with character development. I would not want to relive the Attitude Era for the, for the life of me because the wrestling sucked, and I love wrestling probably more than I do the character development. But it's still very, very important to tell to tell a successful story. And people back then, while the wrestling was awful, people got over because they had characters, they had backstories, they had vignettes. And that was on a two-hour show. You can't tell me on a three-hour Raw, they can't find 30 seconds to get Damian Sandow on there, a guy that has not been on Raw in close to five goddamn months, who was the single most entertaining act in the entire company at this time one year ago. The same guy who at this time two years ago had one of the greatest matches of 2013 against John Cena for the World Heavyweight Championship. And you're telling me, fucking Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon, yeah, I'm talking to you two jackasses, that you can't find time for them on a three-hour primetime show. That makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Miz is another story, but those guys were the hottest act in all of wrestling one year ago to this very day, and they aren't even on the show. Just makes no sense. Sandow, hashtag, where's Damian Sandow? Where's Damian Sandow? I know you don't care. I love Damian Sandow. I love Miz Dow. I love all the, the, the Dows, okay? Maybe not so much a Macho Man Dow, but <laughs> the guy deserves to be pushed, and I like him, and it, it just blows my mind that guys like Bo Dallas, who is okay in my book, but people like Adam Rose, the big show, thank God has not been on TV since he got attacked on Raw in Boston a couple weeks ago. 
these guys get more TV time than he does because he doesn't get any TV time at all. Like you have all these appreciation months for Heath Slater, a guy who was born to be a jobber, and all these other losers. He isn't a loser because he hasn't lost any matches because he doesn't even wrestle. So how can you be a loser? <laughs> That's even worse. And RJ's couldn't give a crap about list. He's leading the list because he's not even on the TV. I'm sorry, but I just don't get it. Damian Sandow, just he's not even my favorite wrestler. It just makes no sense why this guy's not even on TV. Like He gets less TV time than JTG did when he was still employed by the company. Like that's, That speaks volumes as to what they think of this guy. Kevin Kevin Dunn, or I'm sorry, Vince McMahon in the back. Yeah, bury him. Don't put him on TV. Dunn, don't, yeah, don't put him on TV. Anything you say, Vince. Anything you say. <laughs> don't, don't put Sandow on TV. Okay, you got it. <laughs> He, 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 he's, he's too Sandow, okay? He's too Sandow. He's too intellectual. He's too intellectual. Just don't put him on the TV. Anything you say, Vince. Well, well you won't have him cash in successfully with the briefcase. Just doesn't make any sense. It's just dumb. But we'll move forward, though. This is WrestleRant Radio. We Sometimes still, rant a little bit. We rant a little bit. We filled our quota for the rants for this week. But we move forward. I mean, there's going to be some more ranting to come. But going forward, though, uh, a favorite segment of mine from Raw last night that I very much enjoyed Shawn Michaels comes out, talks about Hell in the Cell, and then you hear, out comes Seth Rollins. Ah, the man. Ah, the man. So he comes out and he says, whoa, 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 Shawn. In recent months, everyone has been comparing me to you, saying that I am Shawn Michaels version two. But I am better than you will ever be. And it's great. Love Seth Rollins. His heel work last night. It's always great. But last night was top notch. This guy is the cream of the crop. He is unfortunately not booked very well as WWE World Heavyweight Champion last month. But last night he was. But before that he wasn't. Um, but this guy, from a performance standpoint, is very, very good. Like, you you know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. Rollins is exceptional in his role. But I thought this back and forth was very, very good. And it's unfortunate that these that this age gap between them is so large. Because could you imagine if Rollins was around 5, 10 years ago... And he was mixing it up with Shawn Michaels. Match of the year. Match of the year, baby. Shelton Benjamin on Raw 2005? Forget about it. It was Seth Rollins. That's what it would have been. But Don't even get me started on a dream match between these two. But I, <laughs> thought this, I thought this segment was great. Hit my music. Hit my music. Listen, Seth. We can't hit your music unless you're a big star like me. Now hit my music. And then Shawn Michaels' music starts playing. It was, it was great. Loved it. RJ? Loved the segment. Like you said, Rollins come out. Say he's better than Shawn Michaels ever was, and pretty much just talking shit to HBK. And uh, like you said, you know, they always say that, like, you don't want to be the next someone, you want to be the first. Instead of being the next Shawn Michaels, you should be the first Seth Rollins. But obviously, as a heel, he's just going to say, like, what yeah, he wants to say. Like I said, it was funny when he said, hit my music, and then they didn't. And then he said, like, get to be a legend, hit music, and then he did it. So then Rollins like, got all pissy and stuff. But it's funny, and uh, Rollins just fits his role perfect as that heel that, like, People want to hate, but he's just so goddamn good in the ring that you just can't hate him. Can't hate him. Can't like I can't legitimately hate this guy. Even after he turned on the shield, I'm like, <laughs> I hate this guy. I hate him. This guy, I, he's a douche. And then he goes down and has a great performance. I'm like, okay, Seth, maybe you're making me a fan of yours. Okay, he's great. He's great in the role, and I can't wait until he goes babyface. I mean, this character work might not be as good as he is as a heel, but people will just. I think his money. I think money, more money in babyface than him as a heel. Jeff Hardy, the new Jeff Hardy of 2015, and Jeff Hardy could never work as a heel because he was so beloved. And imagine Seth Rollins if he can work as this great as a heel. Imagine how he could work as a babyface. Just unlimited, untapped potential with the future of WWE as a babyface down the line. But yeah, I thought this segment was very good. Had to love Shawn Michaels' line about. While you were focused on becoming the next Shawn Michaels, I was never worried about becoming the next so-and-so. I was worried about becoming the greatest wrestler of all time. Awesome line. I thought this was a very good back and forth. And uh, I hope they could do more stuff like this in the future. Like, this was the exact opposite of what they did with Ric Flair and Roman Reigns. Lucky introduced them, but that was it. They didn't have a back and forth on the mic. It's not Ric Flair and The Miz or something like that, which they have done before. But you know what I mean. I thought there was going to be Ric Flair and Wyatt. I thought Wyatt was going to come out and they were going to do something with Flair and Wyatt. But no such luck. They they just cut to Roman Reigns coming out and that was it. And Ric Flair got his his time cut short, unsurprisingly. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. But yeah, very good segment. Two thumbs up. After that, Rollins beats Ryback. Four-minute match. Good for what it was. Ryback gets gets beaten clean. But 
not a big deal. He got his momentum back later on the night anyway. So, you know, even though he is the number one contender to the Intercontinental Championship, no, no harm done. So, any thoughts on this match? Rollins finally won. That's all I cared about. All I cared about as well. First win on Raw in quite a while. Yes. Very long overdue. Very well deserved. So, after that, we had the glorified losers match of the night with King Barrett, Sheamus, and Rusev beating Dolph Ziggler, Neville, and Cesaro. Don't get me wrong. Talked about it last week. Love all these guys. All of them, at one point or another, maybe other than Neville, could have been a world champion or could still be a world champion. But they're losers. No one cares about them. I mean, I'm glad the heels are finally starting to win more more matches consistently, that being Barrett and Sheamus. But Rusev and Ziggler have an awful angle going on right now. Cesaro is just losing. I mean, it's better than being on Superstars, but the guy's a loser. And Neville... Lost in that shuffle right now. He's lost in the Swiss shuffle, okay? He's stuck in the shuffle. It's not like he's lost and he's stuck in there. He is stuck. And he Neville is, just is in the shuffle forever. Yeah, I think Neville is the shuffle. Neville is the shuffle of cards that will never, ever be recovered. Because this guy, for I think the third or fourth week in a row, is an absolute loser. You lose matches every single week, you earn the status of being a loser. That's exactly what he is, and he lost again last night. But thought the match was good to be to be positive about it. I thought it was a very good match from an in-ring standpoint. Enjoyed it. The heels won. Does nothing for the baby faces. But they will probably win on Sunday, so I can't really say I care too much about the match. But anyway, any thoughts on these uh, – lo- uh, sorry, the, not the losers. The match itself. I thought the match is actually pretty good between these six guys, but they're losers. They're, they, they're in this these feuds that people don't care about. Specifically for the Zigglers and the Barretts. Not as much Sheamus because he has the briefcase, so he kind of gets covered up by that. But Rusev, Cesaro, Neville, they're in these feuds and they just lose all the time. It's not like they just lose on pay-per-view and then win back on Raw or something. They lose all the time. Specifically Neville and Cesaro, they lose all the time. Neville's the worst, but it's just like no one cares anymore. Why should anyone care about Neville? Because he does a couple of flippy dippies and he has <laughs> a, a cool cape. Entrance. He has a cape and the freaking uh, little pyros come down. Like I That's don't it. care. <laughs> he could he could set on fire, do a do a red arrow, and win the WWE championship, and I wouldn't even react to it. No, because I don't care about Neville at all. He is probably the one act that I would if he was just on. I just don't like that's that's the pee break now. Yeah, Not is. even the divas. <laughs> I'd watch a Charlotte match over Neville. Oof. He just is so he just so much damage goods. He was so strong coming in. Had good match against Cena, Ambrose, Rollins. He wasn't winning, but he, at least he looked good. Now he's losing to Barrett, Sheamus, Stardust. Like lose, and then they call him a loser, and then they beat him. In 30-minute squash match, 30-second squash matches, couple-minute squash matches, Neville, ugh, he just, like, it's not even that I don't like Neville, it's just that he's so badly booked, and his character's so bad, he loses all the time, that even the casual fan sees Neville, and they know he's a loser, it's just, he's just a loser. You lose enough matches, you are a loser. That's the way it works. Exactly. It's not like he can win a couple matches, and, like, he's not a loser, he just... He's lost so much, it's just that it's come to the point I don't care anymore. It doesn't... It, it Exactly! You don't even get angered by it. It's just like, when he lost that Raw in Boston, I'm like, oh, cool, whatever. Oh, well. Like, I didn't even get mad at it, because I know this guy is a loser. That's what he's been reduced to. And I hate the argument in wrestling that, oh, wins and losses don't matter. They absolutely matter. The casual fan, the casual viewer, whether it be... My roommate or some random guy on the street, if they watch three episodes of Raw and see that Neville... If you, if you watch the last three episodes of Raw, so that Neville lost this week, last week, week, and a Sheamus, in 30 seconds after Sheamus called him a loser, then they will think, wow, I don't care about this guy because he's a loser. He's got a cool entrance. Cool. So does John Cena, but he's not losing matches. So why should I care about him? Because he's English? Because you could do a flip. Like he has I said, a cape and he has pyros. Like that doesn't make people care about anyone. This is not hating on Neville. This is. It's not hating on Neville. It's hating on the booking. It's of hating on Neville's booking. It is so bad. Nobody watches Raw and says, "Oh, I like this guy." Ne-. like okay, say that I'm a casual fan. Like, oh, I like this guy Neville. Like he does a flips and all that stuff. Loses. All right, you know, loses one match. You know. Yeah. Next week on Raw, watch again. Loses again. Like. 
This guy might be a loser. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe he'll win. The next week, Sheamus comes out, calls him a loser, and beats him in 30 seconds. And I'm just like, I just can't root for this guy Neville anymore because he's a loser, and no one no one wants to root for a loser. No. Unless and he's an underdog, but he is the farthest, farthest thing, thing from, from an underdog. underdog. He is he not Rey Mysterio. He has a snowball's chance to win <laughs> none of his matches. He could be against... Freaking Mason Ryan, and I'd be like, Mason Ryan's gonna win. Like, yeah, it's no doubt. Like, he just. It's, it's I, don't, I don't mind Neville. Just the way he's booked, I just don't care about him anymore. No. They could give me a free Neville shirt, and I'd wipe my ass with it. <laughs> well, you don't want an Altitude Era shirt? It just, it just, it just doesn't do it. Like, he is. A loser. A loser. Cemented as my number one loser. Man, don't don't give too much away. That's the loser list. He's definitely number one. He is. We, we, that was already well established last week. Cemented. He could win the next twenty matches and still be on my loser board. At Gable Guy underscore Clark knows what's up. Like he yep. saw the Neville lost in SmackDown. He tweeted us. He's like Neville's a loser. He he traveled he home lose. today and he lost on SmackDown. Too. He's a loser <laughs> on all these shows. So we got to build this bandwagon. We got to build this. This movement that Neville's a loser, and hopefully it changes something with the booking if they... Because I know Vince reads our, our tweets, he listens to the show. I know this for a fact, okay? I know this, RJ, <laughs> that this guy is a loser. Yes. So moving forward here, uh, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt briefly brawled. They had Ric Flair come out. Woo! Reigns is my main man. Woo! And get his mic cut off. He's gone. <laughs> Back to the bar for the nature boy. <laughs> And then Roman Reigns comes out, puts a chair down. Bray Wyatt's brawling with them. They talk back and forth, and they're talking about their Hell in a Cell match. And I'm sitting there doing my homework. I'm reading a few articles when I'm watching this live stream of Raw on the laptop. And I am just do a double take. I'm like, wait, wait, is that a white, is that a white sheet? Ma- is that Eric Rowan there? I didn't hear any commentary. I'm listening to the whole show. I'm, I'm, I'm listening, but I'm not really watching, okay? I'm like... Is that Eric Rowan? Did I miss something? And then after the attack, they're like, that's Eric Rowan. He's been gone for a few months. And that was it. That was it. No explanation whatsoever as to why the white sheep is back, why he's back, how he's back, where he's been. He just randomly showed up. So that's how they're, they're doing stuff nowadays because, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't on Raw last night. I got some heat from a photo they posted over the weekend. Great photo, by the way. And if you want to send that Luke Harper t-shirt to us, be sure to do so at Endicott College. I'll be sure to accept it because I, I need that t-shirt wherever it's going to be found, wherever it's sold. Um, but, yeah, RJ, your thoughts on this solid segment with the intoxicated Ric Flair, Roman Reigns, and Bray Wyatt. Ric Flair doing his usual intoxicated skit. Calls Roman Reigns' boy three or four times. Vince <laughs> says, cut the mic, you know. Cue his music. We need to cut this shit out. Cut it, damn it. Cut it. We want Reigns need to. Ric Flair was about to go down a bad path they didn't need to see for this hour. So they cut his mic. Put Reigns over, damn it. Put him over. He was so shocked when Reigns' music hit. He was out there in Pluto, as usual. But, yeah, he comes out there. The Wyatt family comes out. Reigns thanks Ric Flair. <laughs> Thanks, Ric Flair. Thanks, Ric Flair. After Flair's like sitting like on the ringside in pitch black, and then like <laughs> I said, then they get the chairs. They did. Michael Cole, I remember, did say quietly, like, "I think that's Eric Rowan." But, oh, like, really? It was very quietly. It was like, "Oh my God, that's the white sheep." But like, the like, white sheep is back. Like, I, I think that's Eric Rowan. But that's all they said. They like, "Oh, he's been falling off ladders and stairs still from three <laughs> weeks ago." Like, they just kind of just let it. Hey, he's back. I guess I don't know. And then, like I said, then Ambrose came out. They had their little brawl. And that's all that segment really did. It pretty much set up for the main event. Set up for the main event in the handicap main event with the Shield. The, yes, the Shield people taking on the Wyatt family. Seth Rollins is like, I- I'm the leader in this operation. The best part about the main event was like Rollins is Reigns and Ambrose are in the Wyatt's faces. And then he's like, he, he moves up to them, but he pushes them back. He's like, I'm the leader of this operation, boys. Just stand back and let me do the work. Rollins is great, but yeah, fine segment built towards the main event. Other than intoxicated Ric Flair, really nothing notable about it. So we had Charlotte beating Brie Bella. Any thoughts here? Charlotte cannot recite a reaction. No, she can't. I'm not even lying. I literally. Dude, Tell me what you told me today. Yeah. Literally, when she was hitting all her baby face moves, no one, not even one person, went like, "Yeah," or like, literally, it was the quietest I've ever heard a crowd. Hits it with the spear. No reaction. Puts her in the figure date, she taps out, no reaction, music hits, people did not give two craps that 
Charlotte won. You heard people chant for Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. On, at ringside, more than you heard <laughs> anyone even speak of Charlotte. But she even did the Ric Flair chops. She didn't hear the car do one woo. That no. is... It's it, It's not... I don't even know what... It, it's just like, I don't think people care about At this her point, no. It's just because, like... Okay, she's Ric Flair's daughter. She gets called up. She gets a title match for some reason over these other people are kind of one match, too. So that's kind of weird that they didn't get a title shot. And wins... And it's like, oh, okay, she probably got that because she's her first daughter. They kind of been shoving her and Nate down her throat for last month. I don't really care about it because it seems like she hasn't really worked for this opportunity. Then they should go watch NXT and they show like the Becky Lynches and the Charlotte, not Charlotte, and Sasha and Bailey. Like they're going from like their whole wrestling background, how they wanted to become wrestlers, all this other stuff. And you want to cheer for them more than someone that kind of like. Seems like they got handed to them. Yep. And it's it, it just they show show it so far down your throat that you don't even want to see it on TV anymore. That's why she should be a heel. I mean, it's not that much better, but it's better. The story is there. Like I was not. I it's in my blood. But she didn't work on the indie. She got signed by WWE immediately after. Like Byron Saxon on commentary during. I don't know when it was, but he's like at this time three years ago. Charlotte was working like a daytime job. Not like oh she was working the indie. No, she got signed to a contract by WWE right off the bat. Granted, it was a while before she wrestled on TV and NXT, but she got signed immediately. Like, no real effort because she's Ric Flair's daughter. And she is good. She is very, very good. But the booking, again, it goes back to the booking. Getting beaten by Brie Bella with a dropkick clean is not going to get anyone over. It's not going to do anyone any favors. I think the only thing I heard throughout this match was, Hey, Billy, you want any popcorn or anything like that? I'm going to go get some food at the concession stand. That was it. They heard, come on, Brie, a few times. Oh, I heard that, too. Awful. I, I think I pressed the mute button for, for like five minutes until I saw the match was over. Come on, Nikki. Oh, no, it was Bree, right? It was Bree in the Come ma- on, Bree. Last week, what was it? Come she, on, Nikki. Come on, Nikki. She says it a hundred times in the match. Take a drink every time she says, come on, Nikki, you'll be dead. I'll be in the hospital. You'll be in the hospital within seconds. She says it at least ten times a match. Yeah. It's so bad. We'll play, we'll play that game on Sunday, so if there's no show next week, at least you know why. No. <laughs> but after that... Kevin Owens beating Mark Henry, Texas' own. Beat Mark Henry in Texas, like everyone else does. Makes <laughs> Owens look strong. Papa powerbomb the world. Old world's the strongest man. I doubt he's the world's strongest man anymore. Nah. Um, people really don't care about Mark Henry because he's a, a loser. and hasn't been on TV in a couple months, so whatever. That's another match that Owens wins. Looks, guess it looks good to beat Mark Henry, but mm-hmm. it's not saying much because Mark Henry hasn't been TV in for a while. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. And Ryback came out and... I think he gave him a shell shot. Uh, I think it was a power bomb, yeah. Yeah, power bombed him, okay. Power bombed him. So it looked better. Even though he got beat clean three minutes in a three minute match, he power bombed <laughs> Kevin Owens. So I guess it looked good for him, but that was that was what it was. Basically, I have no other thoughts. He hit it right on the head. So we get the main event the Wyatt family taking on the Shield, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. A good match while it lasted. Really nothing. Amazing, because you knew exactly how it was going to go down. Rollins bailing on the Shield members. You did not hear Sierra Hotel, India Echo, Lima Delta, the Shield. Like, I'm thankful they didn't hit that music, because I did not watch it live. If I missed that, I would have gone berserk. So, thankfully, I did not. But um, it was a good match, predictable ending with Rollins leaving. But the baby faces got the better of the heels, building some momentum for Roman Reigns in the main event on Sunday. And that was it. So a good match. I thought it was good and kind of planted the seeds for hopefully a future triple threat match with the former Shield members, maybe in Dallas next year. That's a long shot because this company you know, doesn't book beyond two weeks from now, much less what happens tomorrow on main event. So you have no idea, but it would be cool if that was intentional. They did want to kind of tease, plant the seeds for a Shield triple threat at WrestleMania 32 in that same area next April. So thoughts on the overall main event of, no, sorry, thoughts on Raw RJ. Um, and the main event as well. But the main event was good. Like I said, it was very predictable that Rollins was going to, I don't know if like walk out, but be very selfish, obviously. He was, you knew that was had to happen. There's no way he's going to go babyface for one night and to go heel night for Sunday. But um, it was good to see the Shield back together. Like I said, it's been almost a year and a half. Yeah, a just half. about. Almost a year and a half since the Shield broke up. It was good little tension. To see them back, but it was kind of like their battleground match. Like it's good to see them back, but you know that they're better off right now as singles guys. So it was a good match for what it was. I think the Wyatts won via DQ because Ambrose pulled out um, the Singapore cane. Yep. But uh, it was good for what it was. Ambrose and Reigns went on top, ending Raw. 
And of course, isn't even on Hell of so, But, um. Besides that, it's uh, good. It was a good Raw, I thought. I thought it was good. Like I said, the ratings, I could give two craps about. I'm not there for the ratings. They were watch good wrestling and be entertained. So, all in all, I thought it was one of the better Raws for the last couple of weeks. And hopefully, they can keep this up. Preach. I have nothing to add because I think you just hit the nail right on the head. I have nothing else to add. So perfectly said. Good Raw. Enjoyed it. Hopefully Sunday the will road, be. And then after Hell in a Cell, the road to Survivor Series. My, one of my favorite pay-per-views. Very underrated show. Good. Already starting to watch some old Survivor Series pay-per-views on the WWE Network. It's a good show. I mean, some of the more recent ones were not amazing. No, but... like 09, 2010. Like those years were tough. Yeah, 2011. Loved it. Debut of the Shield. Very good. 2013. Shit. Last year. and Big Show. In the main event. That was a hot, steamy poop in the main event, 2013. I know that was your favorite main event of all time, right? Nope. It wasn't. What was? On a Survivor Series? It wasn't Orin and Big Show? No. No. <laughs> now you got me thinking. I don't know. I'm trying to think what ended. No, Goldberg and Triple H ended that year. I think the one Team Orin, Team Orin, whatever year Orin and whoever he fought, and then Undertaker came out. So 05. That one was good. That was a good show, too. That was a great show. Yeah, Raw, Team Raw and Team SmackDown, that's what it was. SmackDown won every year because Orin was the... Orin was like the sole survivor for like four years in a row. Yeah. He's the best. Cowboy Bob. He's the man. He was the man in the day. Hey, who's the new man? Seth Rollins. He is the Randy Orton of the authority. That's what it is. But we move on now. Speaking of Sunday, Hell in a Cell, live in the WWE Network. In the final 10 minutes we have left, we will do some quick predictions for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Kicking it off with the kickoff match. Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville taking on Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. The exact match we just saw on Raw. Like, no stipulation. They're like, oh, the heels won tonight. We're going to have a rematch on Sunday. Like, really? You couldn't have just waited a couple days and done, like, a tag team or a talking segment or something in place of what we saw on Raw? Whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're getting on the kickoff show. RJ, your pick? Go with the heels. Going with the heels. Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett. Team They've been winning Ruben. a lot lately, and why kill their momentum to lose? Well, it's a kickoff match. It wouldn't really matter. But um, you know what? I'll go Rusev, Barrett, and Sheamus. They, they, know, they need a couple wins nowadays. I'll, give, I'll, I'll throw a bone to the baby faces. You said, why ruin the momentum the heels? I'll tell you why. It's a kickoff show, damn it. It's a kickoff show. No one watches the damn it. Give, give Neville a win. He's a loser, but no one's going to watch it anyway, so at least he says he won a match. That's basically the, the logic between behind, behind the baby faces winning here. So I'll throw a bone to the baby faces. Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville over Rusev, Sheamus, and Barrett. You got the heels for that? Yeah, that's the heels still. After that, we have the Divas Championship, Charlotte, defending against Nikki Bella. Charlotte. Charlotte still. The Davis champion for the Intercontinental Championship, Kevin Owens versus Ryback. KO! Fight, Owens, fight! Easily, fight, that Owens, should fight. be the most predictable one of the night. No way he's going to lose to uh, Ryback. Feed me more. But he'll, I get, he'll be feeding in the shuffle in a minute. <laughs> I got Kevin Owens as well, still the Intercontinental Champion. For the tag team titles, the New Day defends against the Dudley Boys. What are your thoughts? What, what is your pick, RJ? New Day. day rocks. New day rocks. I got new day all day long. And new day all day. RJ has. There's I've no got... way they can lose. They're so high right now. They literally kill all the momentum they had if they lose. They've got Dudley boys. I think this is it. They've been building to this moment of them finally winning the tag team titles. Preferably, I would keep the belts on them until TLC. Not just because we'll be there. Cheap plug. But the new day or the Dudleys. New day. I'd keep the belts in them in where Dudley Boys can beat them in a TLC triple threat tag team title match with the Usos. That's fantasy booking, but... Or just the tables match in general. Or just the tables match in general, yeah. But I'd put the belts on... Um, I'd put the belts in them there, but I feel like this will be the night they win the championships um, from the New Day. So I've got the Dudley Boys, your new WWE tag team champions. After that, we've got for the United States Championship and Open Challenge, John Cena defending against a mystery opponent. So RJ, who do you think the mystery opponent will be? And who do you got going over? Let's say Samoa Joe, Dan- Daniel Bryan, or Dean Ambrose, and any of those three could win. What about, look everyone, it's Tyler. I'd love if it was Tyler Breeze. I think I wish it was Tyler Breeze. This is going to call it up. But like you said, it, w- it wouldn't really make sense if he won because he is a loser and hasn't won like anything that's worth anything. But... The issue is a lot of people that watch the main roster probably don't watch NXT, Mm-mm. so it really wouldn't matter because the fans would probably wouldn't 
They probably wouldn't care that they won, but it would make it look good. Because, like, oh, Tyler Breeze beat John Cena on his first night. So, I would, I would love it. I don't even care if he won. Like, even though I know he's a loser in my mind, I still love him. So, uh, I'd love to see Tyler Breeze, too. I, if I had to go with anyone I really want to see, I want to see Tyler Breeze. Or Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan or Tyler Breeze are your dream picks. Who do you think it will be? Daniel Bryan. You think it will be Daniel Bryan? Who do you got winning the belt? Whoever faces Cena will win. It okay. doesn't matter who it is. Because he's leaving, reported. He's leaving. Yeah. It's already reported, yeah. So, um, I mean, there's really not many options here. I know there's a lot of people that were saying Samoa Joe, an NXT call-up, Tyler Breeze, Daniel Bryan, but a lot of these people, they are dream picks. They're people that we want to see, but no one in the current roster makes as much sense as maybe like a Dean Ambrose, but that'd be cool. But Breeze already fought Ambrose, though. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. That's what I was thinking, too. That was the first ever open challenge that he had, so maybe wrap it up by having Ambrose win the belt. But I, would it not feel random to you? Because I feel like Ambrose, not that the Reigns-Wyatt feud should be done after this pay-per-view, but I feel like after spending, like, five weeks in the Wyatt family thing, he just goes on and wins the U.S. title. Like, it just feels random. It feels so random. I know Tyler Breeze getting called up would be random, too, and I just don't see him... The only reason is... his shot! Oh my god, I'd jump out a window. I would break your window. <laughs> and I would pay for it, but I would break your window. I'd be go Like I said, I crazy. think Dean Ambrose would be a good person, but he's just so... That's like putting Randy Orton in it. Yeah. It's like he's been feuding with these other people for five weeks. And win the then belt. randomly, they're going to stop and win the belt, and then once he's just going to continue this feud? Yeah. Like, what's he going to face? A Luke Harper for the fucking United States Championship? Exactly. Part of my language, but it just wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense. I'm, I'm a lunatic French fan all the way. But it doesn't make as much sense as a, look, everyone, it's Tyler. But my oh. my argument is that, not even my argument, just my thought is that this guy's been booked like a loser in NXT. So what's going to make, if anything, it should be the other way around. If he's the loser in the main roster, then he should be a winner in NXT. If you're a loser in NXT, you're going to be an even bigger loser on the main roster. Look at but Adam the, Rose. The thing is, I see is his issue on NXT is he's putting over all the new people. So kind of like that's paying his respect for being there so long. He's putting everyone else over. Yeah. So maybe they'll bring him up to WWE main roster, and then he'll find Cena will put him over for, for putting pretty much all the new up and comers over. That I could see, but my only gripe with it. Do you think people would really care, would really be pissed if he beat Cena? Oh no, people would. You mean like the internet thing? Yeah. No, no, people would not. Be, people would be thrilled. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying people would be pissed. I'm saying that like from a storyline standpoint, after being a loser in NXT for so long, but backstage, non storyline one, not non storyline wise, um, my fear is that he's not being buried in NXT. Like no. we use that word very sparsely on this show. He's a loser, but he's not getting buried. No, like Triple H knows what he has with this guy. Like his entrance in the last couple of takeovers have been phenomenal. Like this guy is a great talent. They know what they have in Tyler Breeze. But I feel like on the main roster, they don't know what they have in Tyler Breeze. Like they look at him, Vince or Kevin Dunn especially. Oh, <clears throat> but he's got a selfie stick. Sell him a WWE shop. Sell him a WWE shop. Put the, put this guy in a match on our tag team with Adam Rose. Yeah, do it, damn it, do it. Like that's what I feel like they'll do because the guy looks like yeah, he could be. The thing is, like, like an eight, like a Neville. It was kind of like you really didn't know what you had with them. The same with like a Bo Dallas. Like they're good. I feel like they had more of a chance of, of succeeding in the main roster yeah. because only 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 because they were former NXT champions. Like yeah. this is the face of the promotion. They're going to be a big spot. Like yeah, Neville. but they were the face of this. They were face of NXT when it really wasn't as big as it is now, though. True, but like I just Kevin like, Owens was more of a threat to John Cena than Neville or Bodas ever would have been. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. So he yeah. was NXT. What Big E wasn't as big. Like Big E was just like exactly. Well, he did come on the scene as a threat, though. He did. When he was NXT champion, but, but I understand I, what you mean. Like I, said, I, I think, like you said, if he's coming, he's at this point, Tyler Breeze isn't going to win an NXT championship because he's pretty much. They said he's coming up to the main roster soon, so why not do it and do it with the bang? Comes up, wins the NXT championship, a United States wins yeah. the United States championship. They pair him with Summer Rae. Unfortunately, unfortunately, his first feud is against Babyface Rusev. That's not bad. Hashtag book it. Hashtag because they can kind of keep it. doing that stupid storyline, but then. They have something to fight about, I guess. Now. <clears throat> and in the meantime, Rusev Ruber was about to win the U.S. title the next pay-per-view. Out comes Dolph Ziggler, screws over Rusev, turns heel, forms a tag team with with Tyler Breeze, with Summer Rae as their manager. How about that? The Summer Breeze with Dolph Ziggler. 
But sounds good to me, honestly. I, I think like it. Be a good tag team, honestly. I yeah, Show, I know you mentioned the hashtag, and that like will be interesting. Showstopper and like. They're like Shawn Michaels circa 1992 in 2015. Because yep. these guys are great. Like, I know we just got done talking about, like, the next Shawn Michaels with Seth Rollins, but these guys feel like Shawn Michaels. Yep. Both these guys. I would love the tag team. Maybe not so much Summer Rae. So who do you see? Who is it going to be? Dean Ambrose. All right. It's going to be Dean Ambrose. Uh, do you think Ambrose. he's going to win? Yeah, I feel like whoever he faces is gonna like. I'm not gonna get pissed over. Like if he won the belt, I'd be very happy. But just from a storyline standpoint, it would be awesome if we heard ooh ha ooh ha ooh ha. Out comes Samoa Joe. You got Finn Balor. No. Finn Balor. I don't think he's coming up. No, as NXT champion would be amazing, but it's not gonna happen. If Owens couldn't win the belt as NXT champion, I don't think Finn Balor will. But I mean, Tyler, I'm calling it Tyler. Look, everyone, it's Tyler. If it if he comes out or Joe, look at man. <laughs> oh my God, and Mark. Uh, if Breeze, Joe, or who was the other guy that we just, that you just said, Balor, Joe, or Breeze came out on Sunday when I'm at your place watching the show, would lose my shit. Get ready to get the block that window because I'm about to break it by jumping through it. Circa Shawn Michaels, 1992, people. So we get to our subsequent matches here on the show. We've got for Inside Hell in the Cell, The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Oh, we'll get to that at the end, actually. We've got for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins versus Kane. Who do you got? Seth Rollins. Easy. No dispute. Seth Rollins. Kane. You do WWE. No, I'm just kidding. Seth Rollins, still the champion. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. Roman Reigns. No doubt in my mind. No. That's the easiest match to predict. Even easier than KO and Ryback. Like I said earlier to you, Reigns has beaten him every time unless Wyatt has interference. They're not gonna, so they pretty much depict why it can't win without interference. Mm-mm. So why would he win if he didn't have any interference? Exactly. Unless he does. So Exactly. Unless, Roman Reigns. Unless Becky Lynch comes out and attacks sister Becky. <laughs> and Reigns all the way. Reigns. Reigns. I feel like it's going to be him and Rollins in Survivor Series. Main event. The million dollar question. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Who you want to win and who you think will win? Lesnar and Lesnar. You think so? Why do you think Lesnar will win? Because he needs to win more than Undertaker does. Both of them will be at WrestleMania, but Lesnar will be here more than Taker will be in the Lesnar needs it more, and Lesnar still hasn't lost. Technically. Clean. He hasn't technically lost yet. Yeah. Because technically he did tap out Undertaker at SummerSlam. So, he didn't you know, tap out. He passed out. He passed out. So he technically didn't pa- tap out either. And he technically won because he tapped out, but obviously the whole yeah. shenanigans. So I, say Undertaker, I say I say, Lesnar wins in a... a a hellacious match, but he wins. Would be great. I'm not expecting it, but it would be great if it shadowed their 0-2 No Mercy Hell in the Cell no match. No chance. Amazing Too match, though. I, oh, yeah, no no blood. Take out the blood. I know it won't be as great without the blood. But that was the perfect match, by the way, that I'm not a huge, you know, just do it with blood, damn it. Just open the blood. Just because it has blood and it doesn't make it a great match. This was the perfect example of how you do a bloodbath right. Yep. So, watch that match in the WWE Network. That's your homework for this week, people. Watch it. Uh, but we f- before we go off the air, your top five winners and losers of As the week. As usual, I'll start with the losers of the week. Uh, My two losers. NXT losers of the week. <laughs> Tyler Breeze. Number five or four? They're just, these are just my NXT. They're all okay. separate. Okay. Tyler Breeze, because, you know, didn't win the battle royale, and they're going to stick him in a few with Samoa Joe now, which inevitably he will, he will lose, obviously. He won't. It won't make sense for him to win. Yeah. And Solomon Crow. I have yes. Doesn't make the battle royal, and then also my comments are put, ha, 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 Steve Cutler, wasn't it? <laughs> Steve <laughs> Cutler and Danny Burch were in it, okay? People? I was laughing Solomon Crow off. couldn't even make the cut, and Danny Burch and Steve <laughs> Cutler did. So he's definitely on my loser list this week. And number five on the main roster, I got Dean Ambrose. Lost via DQ, but no match at Hell in a Cell. After? After last year, he was in the main event, people. In the main event. He's not even on the show. Not on the show this year. Not even on the kickoff. Not even, as of right now, not on the show. Number four, Dolph Ziggler lost on Raw after the match with Cena. He had a great match. Cena last week, he lost, but... Then he goes back and he's a he's a loser. He's a loser. And now he's gonna and now I think he's gonna start getting lost in the shuffle. Number three, Rusev. Yeah, he won last night, but he lost on SmackDown, one of the worst matches I've ever seen in my life. And you know, he was a winner last night, but he wasn't the main focal point now. So Sheamus hit the bro kick, bear with the win. Rusev kinda like hugged him on the ring, but like they weren't focusing on him at all. They focused on other two competitors. Yeah. Number two. Naomi. Easy. Number two from last week. She's still two. Number two this week. Lost again, Lost to people. Nikki Bella again on Raw. People just don't care about 
the Funkadactyl. But she's amazing. She's amazing and losing. <laughs> Number one, people already know it, Neville. Lost he, uh, on SmackDown and lost on Raw. He is a loser. He is a loser. Big loser. Is a loser. So now to the winners, people. This is the positives. For my NXT winners, we have Alexa Bliss and Apollo Crews. Both becoming number one contenders, seemingly. Love At least uh, Cruz is. We're assuming like, Bliss is definitely is, too. No, too Bliss. She's way too Bliss, though. Number, beautiful. She is beautiful, too. Number five winner, Roman Reigns. Be- beat up Bo Dallas on SmackDown. Looks strong heading to Hell in a Cell after Raw last night. Number four, Believe that. Believe that. Number four, <laughs> Seth Rollins. Beats Ryback, and they had a little small Shield reunion. And there was no Kane on Raw, which was kind of weird, you know. You know, I got a big title match, you know. I think you put Kane on the show, but, you know, fucking... I don't know, I guess it's but not important now. Confronted HBK, beat Ryback, yeah. and bailed on S.H.I.E.L.D. That's great. First man to leave the loser list and join the winner's circle. He is. And then number three, Kevin Owens, same as last week, you know, beat Mark Henry. And also beat Zack Ryder on SmackDown, people. He's a winner. Number two, Nikki Bella. I, did, I dropped the Brie mode, and I dropped Alicia Fox... Strictly Nikki this week beat Naomi and Sasha Banks. Come on, Nikki. And number one, still number one from last week, the <laughs> one, two, and three are the same this week. The New Day beat Cena and the Dudleys, and they ended SmackDown on top after they beat up the Dudley boys. Love it. The New Day. Yep. As your number one winners. And then number one loser of Neville. the week is another, another other than Neville. <laughs> Neville. Love the winners and losers of the week as presented by one at RJ underscore Marso on the Twitter machine. Be sure to follow them there. RJ, before we go off the air, exciting week coming up. Breaking ground next Monday, Sunday, and the next week, whenever it might be. I completely forgot. Um, we're talking about that next week. We're talking about NXT. We're talking about SmackDown. We're talking about Raw. We're talking about Hell in the Cell. We're talking about everything going on in the world of wrestling. And I can't wait. The final episode before Halloween next week. So I'm psyched. I am ready. For another raucous episode of Hell in the Cell, of sorry, WrestleRant Radio next Tuesday. But before we go off the air, RJ, your plugs, your shoutouts, your time to shine, my friend. Hashtag for the week. Where's Tyler? Where's Tyler? Hashtag no, of the week. I, 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 I might Bring, have to change Give it. us Tyler. Push Tyler. Push Tyler. Not even push Tyler for U.S. champ. How about this? Tyler for U.S. champ, but how about this? PPP. Push Prince Pretty. Hashtag PPP, people. Hashtag push Prince Pretty. My hashtag will not change until he shows up. Yep. Hashtag, even on superstars. Even on superstars, he will be. It, it'll be abolished. Hashtag, where's Damian Sandow? But anyway, guys, thank you so so much for listening to today's show. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of WrestleRight Radio live right here on Live365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV 73, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 Central Time. But anyway, guys, you guys can follow me on the Twitter at WrestleRight, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And like I said, next Tuesday, we're back talking Raw, Hell in a Cell, NXT, Breaking Ground, WCW, Superstars, Main Event, Impact, Heat, Velocity, everything right here, only on WrestleRant Radio. So once again, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week right here on WrestleRant Radio.